Bob Dylan is a singer, songwriter, as you probably already know, and in my opinion, is a lyrical genius. They're selling postcards of the hanging. They're painting the passports brown. The beauty parlor is filled with sailors. The circus is in town. Personally, he made me care about lyrics, whereas before I could not care less about them. I was all about the beat, the tune or the guitar, whatever. Um, but the lyrics after listening to Bob Dylan now probably mean as much as anything else in the song. And certainly when I listen to Bob Dylan, they're the, the most important thing in the song. The deputy sheriffs and the soldiers, the governors get paid. The marshals and cops get the same. But the poor white man's used in the hands of them all like a tool. He's taught in his school from the start by the rule that the laws are with him to protect his white skin, to keep up his heat. So he never thinks straight about the shape that he's in. So it ain't him to blame. He's only a pawn in their My name is Ben Burrell and I'm a radio presenter and I also have a podcast called Bob Dylan Album by Album. We moved around quite a lot when I was younger and those car journeys would be punctured with <laughs> endless Bob Dylan records. Yeah, I don't remember enjoying them. I remember thinking they're okay, they're fine. I think his voice annoyed me a lot when I was younger. So when I was 16, it was like a summer where I didn't really know anyone. I didn't have any friends where we moved to. And I really heavily got into music. I liked music in school, when I, but I just left school. And I hadn't really taken too much of an interest in it, but I, become like, I became fascinated with it in this summer because I didn't really have anything else to do. And I really got into indie music. And at that time, especially in England, it was quite a big indie scene. There were bands like Franz Ferdinand coming through and the Arctic Monkeys were just starting. Um, and I'd always and still am a big fan of Oasis and I love that kind of Britpop sound. It is amazing and I do love that guitar music, but it's it's not the most intellectual <laughs> music known to man. Well, I bet that you look good on the dance floor. I don't know if you're looking for romance so I don't know what you're looking for. I said I bet that you look good on the dance floor. Yes, it's an electro-pop that the robot from 1984. It's from 1984. And Bob Dylan changed all that. And I remember this so clearly, and I was talking to my dad about this the other night, um, but I came down in, in this kind of state of like falling in love with music. And I came down one night and he was watching, my dad was watching a documentary on TV and it was Bob Dylan. It was all about him and it was all about his music and there was clips in it about his tour of England in the, in the mid 60s, I think it was. And he was answering questions uh, put to him in a, in a press conference. Well, I'm supposed to be talking to this microphone. Welcome to the first KQED Poets Conference. 
press conference. Mr. Dillon is a poet. He will answer questions about everything from atomic science to uh, uh, riddles and rhymes. Go. And just the way he answered them, the way he conducted himself, I was completely drawn in by because they were essentially saying, you are a genius, you are Jesus Christ reincarnated in front of us right now in this press conference. And he was essentially saying, no, I'm not, you're all idiots. Do you think of yourself primarily as a singer or as a poet? Well, I think of myself more as a song and dance man, you know. <laughs> and I found it so fascinating that someone would be saying that because the usual response is, yes, I am, or to be bashful about it, but he was really kind of pushing back in quite a forthright way. Mr. Dillon, I know you uh, dislike labels and probably rightly so, but uh, for those, those of us who are well over 30, could you uh, label yourself and perhaps uh, tell us what your role is? Well, sort of label myself as well under 30. <laughs> um, and my role is to, uh, you know, to just uh, stay here as long as I can. <laughs> and obviously I heard music in, his music in this documentary as well and it brought back memories of those long car journeys and then I kind of started to rediscover Bob Dylan in a way and it started that night and I said to my dad have you got a CD I can listen to and he gave me a, a compilation album called Biograph and I listened to that kind of from start to finish one night and it began I was just obsessed from then on really It must be good for somebody, this is our song. I know it's good for somebody. If it ain't for me, it's good for somebody. I just talked about it. The songs, I don't know why, they just feel like they're very personal to you. It's almost, he's almost got the gift for kind of putting into words something you could never really articulate, but something you felt, if that makes any sense. I was young when I left home Caught up in out of rambling round And I never wrote a letter to my home Dylan always felt very different. It felt like the difference between reading like a magazine article and then a really great novel. I felt like you could fall into a Bob Dylan track and you wouldn't leave for like 20 hours because you're focusing on this lyric and that lyric and then why has he said that and what does this mean? And I guess nine times out of ten it's just being really over-analytical about it all. But I kind of felt you could do that. There was the possibility to do that with a Dylan song. You could get lost in them. Darkness at the break of noon Shadows, even the silver spoon The handmaid blade, the child's balloon Eclipses both the sun and moon To understand you know too soon There's no sense in trying I remember buying the first record, bringing it all back home really clearly in my first week of my first year at university and just listening to it from start to finish. And it's all over now, baby blue. And then I kind of worked my way on from there. So I bought Blonde on Blonde and Highway 61 in, over the next couple of weeks, and then just carried on almost an album a week in my first year of uni. I love those early albums, but I love the, the 
the electric albums just when he's just gone electric much much more especially blonde on blonde i mean i think it's, it's actually i think it's underrated musically because i think everyone's so focused on the lyrics the the music and it's kind of fascinating I'm, he calls it like a, a mercury sound and that's the best way to describe it it doesn't, it doesn't really mean anything but it's that kind of strange, slightly thin, off, sounds like everyone's maybe drunk too much, taken too many drugs. It's like a weird, kind of slightly offbeat sound. God knows what, how they did it on the album and, and what it makes it sound like that. But yeah, the, the electric records for me just have so much more intrigue about them. I can't describe it, it's like a party atmosphere. But I would not feel so all alone Blonde on Blonde was great for my first year of uni because I used to put it on after I come back from nights out. I used to get friends around and be like, come on, let's go back to mine and have a drink. No one would want to hear it apart from me, but I'd be like, it's great because it suits this situation perfectly. Everyone's completely gone. We're all like in a mess. We've all been drinking cheap lager. Everyone's a bit out of it. Um, and it'd be perfect for that. And the whole album has that sound. And I, again, I, God knows how they created it, but it certainly has like a slow kind of like odd sound to it. Almost like it's like they're wading through treacle as they're playing the songs. My only real memories of that first year now are being hungover, going to terrible, terrible bars, drinking terrible drinks and listening to Bob Dylan records. And there's kind of a week dedicated to each record. And it was actually amazing. I think it was the best year of my life. <laughs> it's so sad. <laughs> It's amazing to spend your time listening to classic records as if they're new. There's no finer thing to do in terms of music than that and, and press that play button and just go for it. People call, say, beware, doll, you're bound to fall, you thought they were all. certainly changed my the way I listen to music as I say you know I beforehand lyrics really meant nothing but after listening to those records at uni I, the, the lyrics became everything I was gonna say I became a little bit more intellectual but I was studying media studies at Portsmouth University so I don't think that's really the truth Mickey Mouse isn't it? yeah <laughs> My favourite lyrics are like the really kind of cheesy love ones. I mean, I do, the political lyrics are amazing and, you know, I could sit and pour over them for days and try and make connections that probably aren't there, but the love lyrics speak to me the most. As a lyric on Modern Times uh, that says, you are dearer to me than myself as you yourself can see, which I just kind of sums up, I don't know, love, I guess, in its, in its purest form. What else? Oh God, there's so many to choose from. This is my dream question. I mean, we could, I could, I could be here all night. That's it. Um, I mean, the opening lines to any Blood on the Track song, I love. Twas in another lifetime, one of toil and blood. When blackness was a virtue, the road was full of mud. I came in from the wilderness, a creature void of form. Come in, she said, I'll give you. Shelter from the storm.
I think I'd have a breakdown if you asked me to pick one. <laughs> Are you going to see the concert tonight? Yes. Are you going to hear it? Okay, you hear and see it, and uh, it's going to happen fast, and you're not going to get it all. And you might even hear the wrong words, you know. And then afterwards, see, I, can't, I won't be able to talk to you afterwards. I got nothing to say about these things I write. I mean, I just write them. I don't to say anything about it. I don't write them for any reason. There's no great message. I mean, if, if you know, you want to tell other people that, go ahead and tell them. But I'm not going to have to answer to it. I love the fact he's a petulant person, because I think I am a person that wants to be a petulant person, but maybe can't do it, <laughs> can't see it through. Again, for him to be in the position he was in and treat it with a kind of real disrespect is kind of brilliant in a way, because if, if someone came up to you or I now and said, you are the voice of a generation. No one has done this. No one has spoken about Bob Dylan in the way you are speaking about him now. I think, God, they're right. I am brilliant. But for him to turn around to people and go, no, you're idiots. You're all idiots. I'm not that. I'm not this. Is kind of amazing. I mean, I could tell you, I could tell you, you know, I'm not a folk singer and explain to you why, but you wouldn't really understand. All you could do, you could nod your head. You would nod your head. No, I couldn't even be willing to try because it, it was... He's always been quite kind of almost like postmodern in his like critique of himself, which I kind of loved. Yeah, well, you know, I, I, don't, I have no idea. I'm, first of all, I'm not even a pop singer. You think you have a big I don't know. I have no idea. He's in some sense a pop singer, you know. I mean, even if it's Caruso, he's uh, appealing to a popular, you know, this is a... But he's a pop singer. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm just as good a singer as Caruso. Have you heard me sing? Have you ever heard me sing? Oh, well, you see right there now. Right there, we have a little disagreement. I happen to be just as good as him, a good singer. You have to listen closely. But I hit all those notes. And I can hold my breath three times as long if I want to. I don't think he wanted to be that kind of guy. I mean, you look at the press interviews in the documentaries like Don't Look Back, I just don't think he wanted to be the person everyone looks to as some sort of new messiah. I mean, who does want that? I think he just legitimately wanted to play some songs that he'd written about some things that he'd experienced, and maybe some of them are political things that he had an opinion about, and maybe some of them aren't. But I don't think he wanted to be the guy that commented on this issue or that issue or all the issues. And... Fair play to him. Like, who would want that? Yeah, you can't be all of the things. No. All of the time. Sometimes you want to just write a stupid song. Yeah. Sometimes you want to write a song about your dream. Yeah. <laughs> One time ago, a crazy dream came to me. I dreamt I was walking in World War Three. Went to the doctor's the very next day to see what kind of words he could say. Said it was a bad dream. I wouldn't worry about it none. No, them old dreams are only in your head. To sum Bob Dylan up is a difficult question, so thank you for that. Um, but to sum him up as a musician, I think he's kind of perfect in that he's not the perfect guitar player, he's not the perfect singer, he's just this kind of guy that just does this thing and it always seems to me he never really takes it too seriously, so you never feel that he ever gets lost in kind of being a pop star or being a rock star. You never feel like he's completely removed from the real world. I mean, he might be, who knows. But you always felt that he retained kind of some sort of smirk at everything that was going on around him. And as far as his back catalogue, again, I think it's perfect. And the fact that it's not always great 
is what makes it perfect. Bob, we promised to spring you at a certain yeah, time, which is now it's now two o'clock. Okay. Thank you very much. All right. I'm going to terminate this interview now. <laughs> I think that was great. Cool. Yeah, I think we've got everything we want. I'm going back to New York City. I do believe I've had it. No. <laughs> Nobody asked him again. I, I was so different that I was like, where? You want to go? That's what everyone wants. You want to change these for better tickets?